You know what I've noticed? Oh. As I get older, mm. my hair is joining mm. different parts of my body. Like my chest hair is joining my armpit hair mm. and my beard lines you know what? connecting to my eyebrows. Looking at your hair here. So it's going up? That's almost touching your eyelash. What's going on? Man, remember, Carlo and I think you've, you're becoming an ape. <laughs> you're evolving. You're I'm not evolving. Into, yeah, you're going back That's into a prime I'm going backwards. Your yeah. arms are as long as an ape. They are, actually. <laughs> They're more kneecaps. So we think instead of going <laughs> back to a man, you're going the other way. I'm de-evolving. You're de-evolving. going backwards. You're devolving. You're devolving. Uh, this is shit. Best <laughs> play. Podcast? Podcast. Podcast. Are we doing a podcast? We're Sushi Mango. When I was your age, I was Samaya. Who are you, bastard? Ah, you like my salami, huh? Sushi Mango Saucy Meatballs Podcast. A podcast not about meatballs. What do we call it, though? I hate it. It's just stupid. Or a red start. Don't be shit. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Enjoy the podcast. A podcast. Ah. Hello. What's going on? Hey. Hey, <coughs> hey I didn't know that... Um, this might be just an observation. I didn't know mineral water could be still. Mm. Yeah, that's... So they put the minerals in it without the bubbles. Did, yeah, you, well, did you guys realise that? Uh-huh. This is, there's minerals in it, uh-huh. but there's no bubbles. Uh-huh. So I what's, thought all mineral water was bubbly. So what's sparkling water before they put the sparkling stuff in it? Water. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, they didn't put minerals in the water. It's just water with minerals in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is can going you, can on? Can you roll the tape, please? This is stupid. What the hell? Today we speak to an extremely funny man. An international comedy juggernaut, actor, comedian and writer. He's an award-winning entertainer, has performed hilarious stand-up all over the world and even performed before royalty. The self-proclaimed first and only Iranian comedian in the world and a man with a list of movie appearances longer than a Middle Eastern surname. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the great... Omid Jalili! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Did I do it right? That's very good, very good. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm very good. I'm very happy to be here right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what kind of level of accent you want. but oh, well, we, could, we could speak with an accent if you like. like. You speak your accent and we speak our accent. Yeah, you were talking about old age. I like that because you said that your hairs are all connecting. I find now when I go to the toilet, my penis is in the shape of a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> when I go to the toilet, I piss in my face. Ya Allah, ya Allah. How are you? I'm very well, actually. Thank you so much. <laughs> the contrast there, it's I, amazing. I'm very happy to be here. Although my, uh, I arrived yesterday, my bags ended up in Indonesia. So I'm a little bit... Oh. Yes, people think it was, might be the bags went somewhere else, but I think my bags were arrested and wrestled to the ground yeah. for calling Prince Andrew a paedophile. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, maybe. Okay. Fair play to the guy who did that in Scotland, wearing a Melbourne City T-shirt. Yeah, how's that? that? That was amazing. But I think that, I mean, the guy was Scottish. He was Scottish, but he's a, I but think it was Aussie Rules fan, is that right? No, it's an, it's an actually, it's a football, mm. t- football as you know it, because we've got football, the Aussie Rules football. Right. It's football, but it's, it's Melbourne City. Yeah. Here, the soccer team, yeah. the soccer team, right? I didn't and realize. and so he was Scottish, wearing why? Just wear something. Sorry, there's a bug. There's a bug. Going it's, a, it's, a, it's a fruit fly. There's no there's no there's no off fruit, fruit fly from the um, plane. You've brought it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really weird that he was where he was wearing. It's very strange. Just wear a Scottish top, you know. But these days, if you just protest any kind of protest, you get taken out. You can't protest against anything. Now. No, you can't. Amazing. You can't say. You can't say a lot. No. Well, they just started chanting. Um, 
that flow is really going. <laughs> Why is it gravitating towards you? No, no, a, I think I have a, a severe case of rancid groin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm attracting all kinds of flies. No, it's, it's coming oh to me God. too. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Anyway, move it's on, very yeah. happy to be here. Yes, yes. Welcome back. So you're Thank back you. in Australia for the first time since 2015. 2015 yeah, it was a long time. A long time. Mm, yeah, time. it's a bit, and I always like Australians because it, you've got a, it's a proper comedy crowds here. Yeah, they enjoy it, don't they? They they enjoy ethnic mm. minority mm-hmm. comedy. I mean, because there's so many of us. Yes, I know Greeks, Italians, mm. Iranians. I remember the the Wog Boys were very big in the nineties. Like yeah. you guys are in their yes. film now, is that yes, right? Yes, yeah, really upcoming film. Which is which we is promote right. that? Let's promote that. Yeah, well. <laughs> why not? Just promote everything. Let's promote that fly that keeps flying around as well. <laughs> but I have to say, I love the fact. Are you guys soccer fans? Yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you yeah. feel about Italy not making the? No, World? Well, we can't talk about that. On, it's a, it's a touchy subject because we we do feel because it's the motherland. Mm. We're upset, but. We do have a little shining light because Australia made the Australian yes, World Cup. amazing. Australia's so we're amazing. very excited. To, at least we get to support someone. See, there's always a conflict because when both teams, Australia mm. and Italy, qualify, then there's a bit of a conflict of interest. Who do you support? Yeah. Who don't? Some years ago, Italy played Australia in yeah, the final. and then there was that penalty. And uh, against Australia, yes. so then the whole you know they got through because they cheated and da 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 da. It was a penalty, but that's it, yeah. even though we are Australian, we follow the Italian team because the parents were Italian, but then we born in Australia and they give it to us because we're Italian, but we're Australian. Where the fuck do they want us to go? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I never forget seeing Christian Vieri being oh, interviewed. Oh. I remember th- he was on British television. They goes uh, so and Christian Vieri very happy. To- I think this guy plays for Italy. Yeah, he goes yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely Australian. I was so shocked. Yeah, because he, he lived he lived in Sydney for many years. Should he not have played for Australia? We, I think he could. Well, have, I think he was born in Italy. Oh, right, he okay. was ra- he was he was well half raised here. I think until he was, and I think from four to yeah 12, twelve or something like that. He played a bit of cricket. As well, did a bit of cricket, and then went over and, and killed it in Italy. And you know, I don't think it would have been a financially a better, a good decision to play for Australia versus Italia. Well, sure, he made way better money. Would have made a lot more money in the league, but you know, they don't get paid much if they play in the nationals team. No, no, yeah, but I get paid more than the Australians would. Yeah, right. But I do feel for my Italian friends because they won the European Championships. And they got beaten by North Macedonia. Are we I, st- are we sticking with this, I want to talk about this because people were so shocked in Italy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I rang up a friend of mine called Luca. I said, Luca, how do you feel? He goes, right now, we don't know what's happened. <laughs> I cannot metabolize what's happened. That's We've so- been beaten by a country, not just all of Macedonia, the North part. No, the North part. <laughs> we cannot metabolize what has happened. Metabolize. <laughs> metabolize something, which is brilliant. I love it. I but still haven't metabolized it, it either. So how is it in England? <clears throat> well, like, England are playing Iran. Of- England are playing Iran in the world. Oh. England are in a, in a uh, group. So you've got the conflict now. England, but it's going to be a tough one. What do you do? Yeah. How do you, what do you, do you support it? Yeah. Were you born in Iran? Yeah. I was born in Britain, so that's going to be... I'll be watching England via Iran. I'll be, that's right. I suppose I'll be going, come on, England, you dirty, filthy, imperialist <laughs> bastards! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you call yourself a Ukrainian. Well, that was... The, uh, I couldn't uh, believe that. That joke that I did for Prince Charles's 70th birthday, can you believe Joe Biden then went on and said... 
we, we're, we, we do not support the Russian attack and we are completely behind the Iranian <laughs> people. <laughs> he was confused by my act. <laughs> you have to go and see my uh, set for Prince Charles' 70th birthday when was I, that I in mentioned the, I was in, I've in watched 08. That, I've watched that many times. I'll have many, you. I'm so glad. Times. Thank you. That's 08? Because you did one. You did I did one for his 60th birthday and I did one for his 70th birthday you, you in, did, in 18. I saw the, the 60th. In two thousand, when it was in two thousand eight, looked it up last night. I remember watching yeah. it when I was over there. I lived over there for five years, and I watched it. Oh God, is that when I had a go at him? Yes, yes. when he could get alive. Get alive! He I said, I've done the Royal Variety times three times. Every time Prince Charles is here. Now, to me, that's not variety. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it written down here. I remember. Seen it, like, yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? Every time I've been on, I've had a go at him. And there was one. There was one. Um, it was. A, it was a Prince's Trust event. He was there, and I said, "If you don't know what the Prince's Trust does." What they do is they get young people who've fallen off the wagon and get them back on their feet again. And what they've done with Prince Harry is nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. And everyone started laughing. And afterwards in the lineup, he says, um, have I done something to offend you? <laughs> <laughs> have I upset your, upset your family? Because <laughs> every time I'm on, you seem to have a go at this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he was like genuinely confused. I said, it's called roasting your Royal Highness. And yeah. I, I think oh. he's worried because I'm now doing the next Royal Variety performance and he's, he's there, there again. again. Well, he's the king now. Well, didn't you say, now. didn't wow. you say, give me King Carlos of Spain. Give me, mix, mix it up a bit. <laughs> 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 how, do you, how do you get that call? <clears throat> well, for, for the, the latest thing, which was the, uh, the, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, they rang me up, ITV, and said they want you to play the Herald which is, the Herald is traditionally a figure which is a connection between the people and the royal family. Mm. So it's the Queen's right-hand person. So that role was actually a role chosen by the Queen. So they told me this. They said, you've been chosen by the... I said, oh, rubbish. I don't, I don't believe you. And the palace said, congratulations, you've been chosen by the Queen, which you kind of think that's great, but, you know, you, there's no choice. You have, you have to do it. Yeah, oh. right. But it was interesting because they wanted me to be part of the whole thing and do just make find a way of making fun of monarchy and Britain, but also be on the right side. Right. And, and what was interesting is something popped into my head on the night because I don't know if you know his, what happened was that was a big horse show and the Queen had not shown, for the first time in 70 years, she had not done the state opening of Parliament. She'd not done it, mm. but she'd shown up to this Royal Horse Show. Mm. It was a big elephant in the room. So I said to her, thank you for choosing us over the state opening of Parliament. And the <laughs> Queen did that with a hand, which can mean many different things. I took, I took it to mean nice one, fat boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nail on the head. But all the right wing press were thinking that means off with his head. And the Sun newspaper. Oh, no. They, oh, just no, said, oh, no. they just thought, you know, that means look at the tits on him. <laughs> so they didn't quite like it. But actually, I heard afterwards that she thought it was really, really funny. And the reason why she came is because that night was the culmination of a few other nights where we were building up. And Princess Anne had seen the show and she had told the Queen, Mummy, you've got to go. You know that Iranian comedian you like? He's, she said, quote, he's humiliating himself in a herald's costume, begging not to be sent to Rwanda. Oh. You've got to come. <laughs> oh my God. And she said, if it's a laugh, I'll come. And that's why she came. So oh, wow. There you go. It was a nice incredible. Yeah. Nerves? It's incredible. Nerves performing in front of royalty? Oh, there it is. We've got it on the screen. Yes, that's me in my Herald's costume, yeah. Well, do you know what was great was we did four nights before. 
So the, the ITV realized that the audience who come, there's 4,500 people there, what they needed was a warm-up. Yeah. So I even went, because they didn't know what the show was. So I was doing jokes about, well, the owner of the green... Range Rover, registration L-I-Z-Z-Y-2. <laughs> Please move your car. You're parked on top of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, someone said, what, you, what the hell? You making fun of me? How dare you? And then I realized I was standing on top of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing all these jokes to warm the crowd up. So what happened was I told them when the Queen comes in, because usually what happens is, People are so quiet and reverent when the Queen comes, everyone goes quiet. And I just mm. said to the crowd, when she comes, it's going to be the last time you're going to see her because she's going to retire from all this. Just give her the biggest round of applause. And they did. They gave her such an ovation. She even said, I've never heard the crowd cheer that the horses that come in the front got spooked. There were horses and the, 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 she wow. realised. But it, she said it was the best, one of the best nights of her life. And so the fact that we gave her that, and it. now that she's dead four months later, it's, it's quite shocking to me because mm. I didn't think that, I, you think these people go on forever, but mm. actually that night was so special. And she actually told the organisers that was one of the best nights I've ever had. Oh, anyway, that's so lovely. It was, it was nice to feel that. That's yeah. lovely. <clears throat> uh, that's, that's crazy. I mean, uh, to, they get the call up for... Even his birthday, every every sort of ten years, sixty, seventy, yeah. Prince Charles. Like it's it's it's, it's an interesting um, gig to get to get in, involved in. And it then, is, but you've got to be careful. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but, okay. but if you can, I was told off once mm. by him actually because there was once and there was an event. The so king? Think, well, it was Prince Charles at the time, but he, he actually told me off his credit book. It was this thing where I was on stage with him. It was for the again for the Princess Trust. It was in his back garden. And I said, Prince Charles has a marvellous sense of humour. This time, Harry was out in Afghanistan. And if you remember, he'd worn the, the Nazi swastika thing when he was 50. Do you remember he went... Did, yes. Were you aware of that? Yeah, he yes. wore a Nazi yeah. swastika, and it was at a, a fancy dress oh, Harry did, or...? Harry did. Harry, Harry wore a Nazi swastika, which actually was... His grandfather told him to do it, because his grandfather... His, his, his two sisters were married to Nazis, and he collects Nazi memorabilia. And he told Harry, this would be really funny if you wear thing and it really backfired so mm. i said in front of everyone prince charles has a great sense of humor now he never said this i just put this in his mouth i said to prince charles uh, you must be very proud of harry going out to afghanistan and prince charles and it's marvelous to see harry wearing a british uniform for a change mm -hmm. and it got a big laugh and i yeah. saw him look at me and when i left they, someone said prince wants a word with you he said now listen i never said that i said yeah but it's a laugh isn't it he goes don't put words in my mouth i never said that i said yeah it was just a joke he goes I don't want people thinking that I endorse that kind of behavior. Now, I never said that, and I don't want people thinking that. So don't ever do that again. And I said, mm. I'm really sorry, because, because you're, you're forgiven. But just remember, next time, I want to keep this relationship going. Wow. But please, don't put words in my mouth. Okay? Right. okay? I said... Okay. Okay. okay sir. Yes, Otherwise, sir. I will <laughs> castrate you. Well, that's imagine that. You've been told off by a told prince. off by the prince and now current king. Not many people probably have. Yeah. That's a put them on your resume. Even when, <laughs> even when he said, "Do you have a problem? If I upset you?" I said, "Not. It's nothing. Nothing to do. It's your whole. It's your whole family." <laughs> 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 and even then, he laughed. So it was all right. But they do have a sense of humor. But there is a point where you can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, there's always a line, I guess, isn't yeah, exactly. there? With, it, with everything. Well, well, that were the original. They are the original. Um, Gangsters, gangsters, man. They're the original, they're, well, the original rock stars. They have their family's been followed with a magnifying glass for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm. But before the Kardashians, they were well before the Kardashians. <laughs> they they were know? the original Kardashians. The original Kardashians. Hey, it wouldn't be a great time in history to be royalty, though, would it? Now, right now, with all the 
cameras and press and everything. Is it's only the least best time to be king well, of, yeah. the, of, of the, of the royal thing, right? The thing is, that, that, look, they're born into it. They're not cho- they haven't chosen to do this. <coughs> and having spoken to some of them, they kind of said, look, you've got to make a the fist of it because we're not, we didn't choose this. But we have to try and... It's, it's, you know, the Crown, if you watch the TV series The Crown, it's, like, it's almost like Scientology. It's almost like a cult, which they're born into. But it's the establishment. And you, you're either for it or against mm. it. And it, look, if you've seen with Harry and Meghan, when you try and leave, they really give you a hard oh, time. Oh, yeah. They really give, they've, they've dragged both of them through the mud. Took away his allowance and everything. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> this, but look at the Queen. Look what she did with Prince Andrew. I mean, where would you find someone like that? She took away his military honours, took away his title, paid the £12 million to get, get off the whole Victoria Giuffre thing because they, he went against... The, 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 mm. the royal code so it's something they're born into but they have to navigate a life around that so I feel for them and they're actually if you look at Prince Charles King Charles now he's actually done really well mm. he's waited this long and now he knows and I think he's going to be a meddling king because he's, a, he's big on the environment and I don't know if you're aware he has to go to all four corners of the UK and the government is sending the new Prime Minister Liz Truss with him because my personal take is on the one hand they're saying we want the monarchy now. You're up in the stakes. We want you to look like you're endorse, endorsing this party. But at the same time, Prince Charles wants to get to know her because he wants to meddle and he wants to change policies on the environment. I think he could be someone who might even save the planet. He's one of those people. Right. It's so key. But he has to be able to draw, walk that very specific, navigate a line where you're a monarch, you should be meddling, should not be meddling in politics, mm. but you can influence. Absolutely. And I think he wants to influence. How old is he now? Paper 74, I think. 74. 74. Yeah. He's the but they o- say oldest, he's, the, the, the he's had the longest uh, apprenticeship known to man. He's yeah, also the oldest king ever to be put, oh, really? ever yeah. become the king. He's oh, the so he's the ever. oldest king. He's the oldest, the oldest king ever to be crowned. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's interesting. Go. Well, Kings. good luck to him. Good Talk luck to them. Kings. And, uh, you know, rest in peace to the Queen. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. You know, which is a sad And one, I'll tell you something. She does have a sense of humour because the, apparently they told me she used to do my act around. There was one bit in my act she really liked because, you know, she, she loved the Commonwealth. And I did this thing about Robert Mugabe. Did you ever see me do this thing about I said, Robert Mugabe, people never understood him in his own country. So I did this skit. I said, the BBC interviewing Mr. Mugabe. I said, Mr. Mugabe, how do you answer accusations that you're getting more and more incoherent? And Mugabe says, la, 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 la. <laughs> I have seen it. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> now that you put it like that, I remember there exactly. <laughs> Apparently the Queen walks around going, la, 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 la. Oh, God. I love it. You've got this incredible <laughs> ability to be able to reach a pitch so high. I know! <laughs> so so high. One of the things that I used, to, I used to watch a very early act of yours where you came out in this purple, like, suede kind of suit. Crazy. And uh, you do Godzilla noises and, and impressions <laughs> and stuff. Please, please. It's a dream of mine. Can you do a Godzilla impression for just for me, please? Please. Okay, this is Godzilla thinking that Bob Hawke was the Prime Minister of Australia <laughs> and realised that it was Scott Morrison, now he's gone, and realises he knows very little about Australian politics. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And do you know how that came about? Because when you, when you want to be at the comedy store, you've got to have 20 minutes, and no one ever has a great 20 minutes. So I had about 15, 16 minutes, but I found this thing where I, I would say, look, if you don't laugh at anything... I'll belly dance. So I then used to put in shit bits of my act that never got a laugh. 
And I said, don't worry, I'll cover it with belly dancing. And so what happened was I started doing Godzilla impressions. That was the weak bit. That was the bit that no one laughed at. Mm. I said, here's Godzilla having his toe stepped on. <laughs> you know, and then I, they wouldn't get a laugh that I say belly dance and then for some reason the people music. started laughing at the, so it didn't really work so I'd do a Godzilla they'd laugh and I'd go belly dance and the whole act was so chaotic <laughs> but it, it, it made me get to the 20 minutes because no one no one had a great 20 minutes there well, so the comedy store when in comedy store in London in yeah. London is that is, uh, Piccadilly have you been Piccadilly? Yeah, I went to the Piccadilly. Yeah, I used to go there. Well, I, I, I lived there a long time. It's an amazing club because if even when you go, like when I, my wife took me there in 1994, and she, I was laughing, and she kept saying, you don't understand the joke, do you? I said, yes, I do. She goes, you don't. You don't understand a word they're saying. <laughs> and what happens is I found later the trick is they put a microphone above the crowd so the laughs get amplified. Ah. So people get swept up in this laughter, and they laugh when they don't even know what they're laughing at. So I probably understood about 50%, but I laughed 100% of the time. There you go. Isn't it true? Like, it's laughter is... Infectious. It's contagious. Infectious. Absolutely it is. It's if you get a bad crowd in the, in the you know... Yeah. Bad couple of front rows, and they uh, affect uh, the back rows. You need, you need someone or a group in the crowd to take the lead and give everyone that's enough why, permission to laugh. Well, yes. it's good on a Saturday you know? when everyone's drinking. Because they just laugh. They oh, laugh. They laugh at you anything. can never do a joke. I did a joke in court once where they said, Mr. Jalili, you have um, 36 points on your driving license with another 18 pending, which takes you up to 54 points, which is now a UK record. We're going to be lenient and we're going to take away your license for six months. Do you have anything to say? I said, Your Honour, could you give me a lift to the station? <laughs> <laughs> and because it's a dry atmosphere, no one laughed. He said, that's not funny. And I actually dropped my head. <laughs> I mean, I've you, never done a gag. Did, 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 you, did you belly dance after the <laughs> 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 Hey, so... Obviously, you do this ethnic bit. Oh, I don't yes. know whether you currently do it in I don't your do act, that anymore, no. It was but when you started off doing the ethnic bit and it that. got a big big laugh and whatever, um, did you come under scrutiny at all? I mean, in, in a, we do obviously ethnic humour and sometimes the non-ethnics get a little, yeah. little annoyed at us for mm. doing it. Um, did you find the same sort of reaction when you started... I think to start with, yeah, it was very interesting because I came out talking like this. I said, the fatwa on Salman Rushdie has been lifted, but on behalf of all Iranian dyslexics, we'd like to apologize for the death of Willie Rushton. Willie Rushton was a comedian. <laughs> this was an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> so it was all this kind of stuff. And then I would switch it. And at the beginning, people genuinely thought I was off the boat. So what would happen? I'd do a comedy club. And i never forget this. There was a guy... Was, his name was Smashy in South End, which is like a, is like a seaside coast. He goes, you, you, come come, Marfus, I want to talk to you. This is 1996. He goes, do you know what? thing is, with your your name, Omid Jalil, I'll never forget, I'll never remember that name. I can't remember that. <laughs> if I want to recommend you, I've forgotten your name. What, what you need to do is get a picture of yourself in a big turban, pantaloons, curly-toed shoes, call yourself Ali Barbar, the Sultan of Comedy. You get a lot of, you go, you get a lot of fucking work. Like, you'll be brilliant. I said, thank you. Thank you very much. And exactly 10 years later, I saw him outside the BBC. He goes, oh, I mean, what are you doing here? I said, I'm just shooting a show. He goes, what show's that? I said, it's called the Omid Jalili Show. He goes, yeah. you got your own show? I said, yeah. He goes, where? I said, BBC One. He goes, you want BBC One? Because great, congrats. did you use the picture of yourself in the turban? I went, no. He goes, see, if you'd done that, you would have got here five years earlier, you stupid twat. It's a fucking mad with show. So in that sense, a lot of people, the, the, what was interesting, that, that although that they weren't offended, 
they kind of liked it, but it was only when Eddie Izzard, actually Eddie Izzard, oh, yeah. saw me at the comedy store around 2001, and he said to me, listen, I want to I work with you. And he goes, your act at the beginning, it's too funny. He goes, because then when you switch, the audience feels a bit cheated. And he goes, and how long could you keep that going? Everyone's going to know. It's, it's like, you know, Ali G with Sasha Baron so, Cohen. So you were doing uh, the Arab the Arab bit accent. for the first seven, eight minutes. And then, then you switch. switch. Yeah. switch. And okay. then I'd just be my... Because I was, I was too nervous to go out as myself. I didn't yeah, think sure. I was enough. Yeah. And, he's, and it was, I'm really thankful to Eddie because... He, she, he's not, he's not, he's not a she. Yeah. She said to me, but he was a he back then. Yeah. Said if you, if you just come out as yourself, and then you can do your crazy stuff in the middle. Then he goes, just be, just be yourself, and have confidence that you're enough. Because a lot of the time, people who do character comedy, they don't feel they're enough, but actually you are. So just go and be yourself, and, and I tell you now, you'll be way more successful. So I took his advice. There we go. He, he was the first person to say it. Very wise. And words. How, how long did the, your show go run for on BBC One? I did two series, of it, oh. which was amazing. And then what happens is always, there's always one person comes in and a new person comes in and then they don't want you anymore. But, yeah, of course. But, but I did for two, the people playing at home, what it was a comedy variety? It was, it was like stand-up, you know, stand-up comedy and sketches. So yeah. it was like, you'd come out and do, do a bit of comedy. I mean, some of it doesn't stand up. I've, I've, I've put a few things on my Instagram page now, which I think do stand up. It does stand up, but it was basically of a, between 2007, 2009. Yeah. And I was the first kind of ethnic minority yeah. comedian to be nominated for the Perrier Award, which is a big, it's like the Oscars of comedy at the, at the Edinburgh Festival. And you, you only become more aware when you're older what a white middle-class scene mm. this is, actually. Mm. So what, we, what, what, what we're doing, there's never usually any room for mm. people of colour to come into this white-dominated area. It's funny yes. you say that because I was just I was watching the new Joe Coy. Um, he's a, he's a, a comedian in America who's Filipino. Right. And I was watching his Netflix special last night, and he was—he said pretty much exactly the same thing you just said. Yeah, he said that he wasn't—he he, some not all of us in this room. He said, "Get the handshake straight away." Yeah, because he's well, Filipino. he had to push really hard, didn't he? He had to, push to, really he had to shoot hard. his so, own special, and right. you know. So you're right. Well, you what's know? interesting when I first started out, um, I didn't realize that I was seen as a speciality act. Right. So I never—I mean, hardly ever—performed with a woman. So what they wanted, they wanted two guys and, a, and like a kind of a juggling act, or they got two guys and a woman, two guys and a black guy. Mm. So I didn't realise I was the diversity. Uh, so I didn't realise. So when I would meet comedians in Britain like Joe Brand or famous women who are famous, I never, I'd never met them. I never because I, I was the diversity, but they were the diversity. Yeah, right, so that's right. the way it kind of works. And you've got to, you've got to navigate. And the thing is, you're not really conscious of it. You just kind of do it. But you, you, know, you, you feel that there have been microaggressions, there have been things where people don't think you're part of the club, but you, but you just got to, at the end of the day, you just got to be around. And, yeah, right. and as the Queen, Queen the, the Queen's just put out a big uh, YouTube clip of her saying you should never give up. And I think that's the one thing I always took that, even when the Royals saw me, people don't realise I did my first Royal Variety in 2002 after 9-11. And what happened to me after 9-11, I was basically cancelled. 9-11 happened. Right. And, it was on a bit, and people don't realise, oh. I'd won the Time Out Comedy Award for Best Stand-Up that year, because a lot of people say, your career only took off after 9-11. I think, well, actually, my career came to a standstill. I was a Time Out Comedy Award winner. I was on a big sitcom at the time, which, which had just come out, and they, canceled. they didn't even show that on TV. All comedy was cancelled. I was cancelled. My manager said, they've taken you off the bill. I said, until when? He goes, 
all of your gigs have That's gone. just simply because you just because you're just heritage. But it's got nothing to do with me because <laughs> you're Middle Eastern and that's enough. Yeah, and all shit. your posters, I had these quote, joke quotes like, you know, burly but surprisingly athletic, Middle Eastern madman, the Scotsman, that was one thing. So, so actually I was kind of cancelled. And it was, it was only the, the Royals saw me and they said, we want him at the Royal Variety performance. And that Royal Variety performance, this is just a year after 9-11, I never forget, I did a joke, and the, the Royal Variety performance, everyone's in dicky bow ties, they're all white, and I just said, suicide bomber schools. I said, how does that work? I said, where's your bag? Oh, I left it on the bus. Well done. Well, well done. done. <laughs> and no one laughed, except Prince Charles just went, yeah, that's funny. And then there was a laugh. And that reaction from him saved my career. Uh, so it allowed everyone to- it allowed everyone to laugh. To relax. So, so people humor, just yeah. thought, wow. Because even by me being there, remember that, that even to have a comedian, even now people said to me, we thought you were a, a sleeper cell. We thought you'd come in to infiltrate British society and then blow yourself up. Or, that's, just that's how Jeez. people were thinking. It was really intense stuff. back yeah. then. You remember how intense it was. It was, it was very intense. ballsy of you to make a, yeah. that, that joke on a year out. A year out, I just thought. You know? I just thought about it. I thought I'm just going to have to. Comedian's job, go, though. Yeah, we, we we have to. Comedian's job is to say what people are thinking but would mm. never dare say. And then I took that from a Middle Eastern side. Let's say the jokes that we say and let's see if that'll work in a white crowd. And it actually did. Mm. But, and it did. And it was actually... It, it, he laughed so much that they brought me back to the Royal Variety. He goes, I want you to do that for Camilla. And I did. He goes, you didn't do the joke. And so I'm in the lineup. <laughs> you do the joke for Camilla. I said, um, suicide bomber school. What's in your bag? I left it on the bus. Well done, Goldstar. She went... Oh, that's not funny at all. And they moved on. And I heard it. I think that's mildly offensive. And they just moved on. Did that joke for him. Why, why won't you laugh, darling? <laughs> I just heard him. I heard him just go, well, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. I know. But um, you've had a, also an amazing uh, career in movies. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, lucky, my yeah. favourite movie, talking yeah. about kings, is The Gladiator. And you we were just watching it awesome before you role. got in here. We were just, we were just watching you watch it. You watched Gladiator, yeah. Well, not the whole thing. Yeah. Watch, watch the bits of the just US. Watch my bits. Bits. Yeah. And, uh, how did, how did, how's this come about? Well, The Mummy was first, right? I did The Mummy first. And then, amazingly, the, the second assistant director is a guy called Adam Sumner. I'll never forget him. He said to me, um, when The Mummy, he rang me up. He goes, it could be a nice part for you in a film called Gladiator. I'm going to suggest you. So... He goes, nice you, part. You get eaten by flesh-eating bugs. No, 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 that's the mummy. The yeah, mummy yeah. But for, for Gladiator, I, I, I put myself on tape, and he, apparently Ridley Scott had to have a look at all these tapes. And then he, had, he saw this tape. Ridley Scott said, what's this guy like? And he goes, he's all right. He goes, and he watched it, and he goes, he doesn't look up too much. He goes, we just had him on the mummy. He was all right. And he said, oh, just, just book him. So it was Adam that actually said, just book him. And even then, it was, I didn't realise a lot of the crew were on the mummy, were on Gladiator, oh, and right. that's when the famous thing with Oliver Reed happened. Now, do you know about? Yeah, you must have heard yeah, that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he grabbed my grabbed. nuts and you know, all do, did all that. that oh, was just what? No, hang on. No, no, no. no, no we don't know about that. What's? I thought you meant because he died. What happened with that? He grabbed your nuts. Yeah, you didn't know that. No, no it's not well. Please tell the story. Oh, okay. Oh, Wait, okay. ladies and gentlemen, grabbing nuts, take one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> In the script. I come up to um, Oliver, I said, Proxima, my old friend, and he's supposed to punch me in the face. And I didn't know they played a little trick on me. And Ridley Scott, with, always with a cigar, goes, he goes, Oliver's going to grab you by the nuts, if that's all right. We don't think um, 
the you know the fight guy says we haven't got any mats here so can we just grab your nuts I said, is it, are you okay with that i said sure so oliver reed says are you a method actor i didn't know what it meant <laughs> i said i said yes he goes good do you mind if when when we do the scene lift up your tunic and i'll grab you by the balls and we'll do the scene and i and i looked at ridley scott i said no you, <laughs> why is that how is that naturally because no no, no we just see you here just lift up your tunic i didn't know this is all a joke i guess okay so we do a rehearsal lift up the tunic he puts his hands directly on my balls and I hold him, we do the scene. He goes, it works for me. So we did a first take. He grabs my balls, you sold me queer giraffes. And when they say cut, he continued to hold my balls <laughs> as he had a glass of water. <laughs> they touched up his makeup. And I thought it was part of his well, process. So you were just standing, you, so you were just standing, standing there, there and this guy was- <laughs> He had his left hand on my balls and I was over him saying, so are you enjoying the <laughs> And we did a second yeah, take, hilarious. he grabbed my balls. Then on the third take, I felt him move my balls between <laughs> his. And I just went, is this a wind up? And they all went, ah, they all started oh. laughing. And then Ridley Scott says, but that works better than the punch. Can we just do one more? But don't go under the tunic, just go over the tunic. And then they, then that was what So how long would you say this guy was holding your balls? <laughs> uh, and I would say properly for about two and a half to three minutes. Oh, that, that's really uncomfortable. <laughs> that's very are uncomfortable. Are you talking about he had- He, he, he had held your... my balls. No, 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 no. <laughs> for three for minutes. no reason, he minutes. had his hands over my groin. That's what I'm trying to tell you. you. No, okay. Was he touching? Yeah! The... <laughs> it was, I'm still traumatized by it. The skin? No, well, no I was I'm on the pants, undies, yeah? But he, but okay. he, he held my, he cupped my oh. balls, but then oh. by take three, he was moving my testicles from oh, left to wow. right. I love how he goes, playing so, pocket so he's, he's holding his balls, she's like, so he's the hotel, all right? <laughs> yes, I was making conversation <laughs> with him. <laughs> wow. wow, that's funny. So how was he, he would have been interesting to work with. He was, yeah, he was fantastic. He didn't get on with Russell Crowe, so they didn't really. Oh, oh right. Oh, yeah, they didn't. I th I think Russell reminded him of himself when he was younger. Oh, so they just didn't like sure. each other. So I spent all my time with Oliver Reed. Just you know, you know as you know, filming ninety five percent is. Just was chatting. Russell around did, much did when you, you were spend, filming? Yeah. though? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. They 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 um they asked me to um. They asked me to befriend him. Actually, it was quite strange. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was As off the off camera. Off, off camera, they, they'd asked me to um, be friends with him, which is quite strange. That's interesting. Yeah, they just said there's a pretty bad atmosphere, but he likes British comedians. If you can, oh really? If you can become friends with him, and so I, how do you go and like become friends with Sugar? Hey, I'm hey, 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 Russ, hey, Russ, how are you? Hey, Russ, how are you? <laughs> hey, Russ can we be friends today? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was back. I was going, hello, Russell. I'm really fun. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. I thought you would have gone and said, hey, Russ, you, you want to cut my balls? Yeah, I was going to say, you want to touch my balls? <laughs> <laughs> touch my balls. <laughs> but actually, we did. We did become. We, we did get to know each other. And then Ridley Scott, ten years later, said, actually what you did with Russell on set did actually help the... Because apparently it was a very bad atmosphere. Oh, it would have been a why. tough atmosphere. Especially if they're, they're not getting along with they're each other. They're not getting along and there was there was an atmosphere. I think Russell was nervous, he was focused. Yeah. And he knew this was a role of a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, but the rush is going back to LA. And of course, Steven Spielberg is the... It was DreamWorks and it's yeah. his. And it, and it apparently looked too amazing. So we're not going to sack him. We're not going to fire him. We've got to keep him so... You got to sort out the, um, the atmosphere so on set. It was basically because he was difficult, or 
you know. yeah he was difficult but only in the sense where your focus is mistaken for arrogance yeah, he so was just very focused he was putting too much pressure on himself yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't even know that. Oh, there you go. What's it like on a set like that? How many people? Oh, man. Like, are, are, are rolling oh in the back. God. How many people, like, on a day when you were shooting your scene? Well, I tell you what, these kind of, I remember asking Ridley Scott, why is it when you're doing a market scene, you need 5,000 extras? You don't, and he just said the camera never. He comes from the, the world of, like, TV commercials where you've got to pack the scene. And I'll never forget on the very first day, if, if you, in fact, if you watch Gladiator, the first time you hear my voice, I said Proxima, my old friend, and there's a push-in on Oliver Reed. But in the background, it's a cafe. It's an, it's an AD 180 Roman cafe. And I'll never forget, I'm just watching this scene, that, and then and Ridley Scott goes, we've got one second of dead time. I need a midget or a dog <laughs> to wipe. And, and I don't know seconds, why I'm laughing at that. <laughs> within seconds, there's a, there's a dwarf, there's a small person and a dog. And if you watch the scene again in the background, look, look, in the background, you'll see a dwarf. Here's the scene. You'll just see a dwarf. There's a little, little person in the background. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, 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 there, yeah, there is. That was it. <laughs> they brought a little person to walk past. That's what they did. Look, can you see the oh, little, a little person? Oh, look, there is. Yeah. That's, the, I mean. That with that, with the first time they shot, there was nothing there. And he just needed that bit. He just wanted be, that little. That's the kind of detail he was working with. That's incredible. that's incredible. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was, I saw that. that, that that's the first scene. That's him looking at me. As no like one that. would ever. He grabs my balls here. He grabs your balls. <laughs> Can you see that? Hey, that there he is. It. And we filmed, that's the last thing we filmed because we filmed everything else with him going under the tunic. That's the, oh, they did <laughs> one, the, shot one shot of me, yeah. Tell you what, he must have been grabbing hard because that looks like you're really. <laughs> I was really struggling. <laughs> <laughs> that looks real, man. That's like that pain, you know, when you get so kicked in the balls. Oh, it's a very big let. By the way, there's a bit when you work with these big actors. There you go. And that's what made them laugh because because I don't want people to realise he's grabbing my balls. Look, and I, I said, Limpus, hi, and they go, hello, like that. <laughs> they added that bit in because I just did a little. How you doing? Limpus means how you doing in Arabic. So. Uh, so, so that scene, as an acting thing, you should know these big actors, they know the microphone. So he was speaking so quietly. Yeah. I remember saying, I, I'm sorry, I can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> but actually, when you see it there, he goes, you sold me quid. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big lesson for actors. When they speak quietly, they know it's going to be very big. Absolutely. Yeah. We found yeah. that out when we, when we shot our movie because we're always screaming on stage. <laughs> and we're like, ah, ah, you exactly. know. And then we're, we were... Acting in the in the in the Wog Boy movie, well, we weren't acting. We weren't acting. We weren't acting. <laughs> Other <laughs> actors were acting. <laughs> we were just we were being idiots. <laughs> they were one Sarah Roberts, the the girl, the yeah. amazing. Lead. She's amazing. She's amazing by the way. In, in in the movie. She was whispering saying, "Yeah, yeah." Well, we couldn't hear a word she was saying. Talking, exactly. Is it my what? what? And she's going to look amazing. The, yeah, oh. and you're going to look like cunts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know any other words. We're going to be like over actors, you know, just yelling and screaming. But oh, so man, it was is, so it, is, it, is it true that, that on the set of The Mummy, you're almost fired for being too funny? Is this, I read about this. Is this true? Yeah, that's actually very true. Yeah. The first, the, I put it on my Instagram, the first uh, scene was, show, in fact, the first scene is me. The first day of shoot, the first scene of that movie is me going, come, come. Step over the threshold. Okay, that's the first scene we ever shot. And the scene with Brendan being hanged. And I remember everyone was very nervous. So I said, I got very friendly with this producer from Universal. I said, why is everyone so nervous? He goes, because the rushes go to America and then they choose and the, someone has to get fired. And it's, it's usually someone gets fired. 
and, <laughs> and, and they didn't want to be them. And then after it was only when the film made $600 million, yeah. when the film's been nominated for a couple of Oscars, he said to me that day, they were thinking of firing you. I said, oh. I said oh. why? And he said, because you were too funny. And we already had a funny, there was a character called Benny, Oh yeah, the, 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 the formula is there's a yeah. there's a there's a Benny guy who was I think he meant to be Hungarian. Well, I think Jonathan as yeah. well was a bit funny, but the, but this producer liked me and he goes, no, we will have two funny guys. And by the way, he's he's too, he's too much fun at dinner time. We're not going to get rid of him. And it was oh. me. I didn't even know who he was. I was we were just being ourselves. So you were too much fun. Off, off camera, off, off backstage. Camera. But he thought I was a disgrace on 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 camera as well. But later, if you see that first scene. The director said, actually, the tone of the movie was caught because it was, it was serious, but there's some funnies thrown in. If you, if you see in the bit where, where the guy Where's the first goes, scene? Can you find it? This is it? the first scene here. If you, the, the tone of the movie goes, any last requests, pig? And then he goes, yeah, loosen the knot and let me go. And then he says, he says, let him go. I say, yeah, man! Let him go, so this was the they they captured the tone of the movie. So if you look, he then we do this. Uh, I said then I said look, I'm a very lonely nope. man. This is all improvised. <laughs> and then look, it gets serious. It gets serious. Can you see everyone goes quiet? And then in the cinemas, they went quiet because this guy is actually hanging. His neck did not break. <laughs> <laughs> now watch this. Now we must watch him strangle to death. And this is me now forgetting my lines. Watch this. I forgot my lines. You lie. I will never. We do a haggle. I forget my lines. Godless son of a pig. Knows where to find the city of the dead? Yes. Truly? Yes. And if you cut him down, we will give you... 10%. 50. 20. 40. 30. 25. I forgot my lines. Look, look I realise. <laughs> I said the right I was supposed to say 30 I said 25 yeah. and she went like that and they kept it oh, they kept it really if you look at my eyes I think oh I've said the wrong thing oh. <laughs> and they kept it so that's quite funny and then actually the director said the tone of the movie was set with this thing that's the first scene we shot in the movie and then they realised there's comedy potential in all the cast so what they told the cast play it for real but throw in some funnies yeah. and then we'll cut around it. And that's what they did. They it found was the such tongue. a good movie. It wasn't a bad movie. Oh, it was great. It was really good. I loved the great movie. It was the best of the He's just had suit. a comeback too, Brendan. Yes, he did. He looked like he a standing ovation He somewhere may win recently. the Oscar actually this yeah. well, did he? Did he put on a lot of weight for the movie or something like that? Yes, he put on some weight anyway and they found this character, of, I think, of a dad who wants to connect with, I'm not sure what the story yeah, is, but neither. he put on a little bit more extra yeah. weight. But I'm telling you, when I worked with him on the, the Mummy, and oh, then I a little bit. Wow! Wow! Look what he's done there. Yeah, he's yeah. He's he actually looks like me. He went on a donut diet. That thing. guy. He's yeah. on my diet. Wow! But he's. I have to tell you, I did see him in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and he is a very. He's an actor's actor. He yeah, he's brilliant. So anyone in the industry who's worked with him, we know he's a decent guy. Yeah. Um, I tell you how decent he is. We were playing tennis on the set, and he wasn't very good. So the trainer started playing, and then. He started collecting all the balls for us. Oh. So he started collecting the balls. And then I said to him, um, as a joke, I said, can you, like in Wimbledon, can you just stand at the back and I put your hand <laughs> in? And he did it for about a minute. Then he goes, I'm going to go back inside. <laughs> That's how nice he is. So people love him, but he's also a really talented actor. Yeah, I, 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 loved, really him. I, I loved him in uh, Insano, man. Yeah, yeah I know. Jeez, he's he a great actor. But why, what happened? Why, 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 he was everywhere at one point. 
Well, you know, people think there was a Me Too thing. That there happened. was something yeah. that happened like that. Yeah. Um, to him, yeah. yeah, I think he was abused. Yeah, he was abused. He was abused. Yes, yeah, by a producer abuse. or something like that. And he, oh, and he right. came out and he spoke out, and they just they cancelled him. Basically. Oh yeah. right. Oh. Okay. So yeah. the last five or six years, you haven't heard much. That's from him. right. Yeah. Okay. But also, he suffered from depression as well. So yeah. Mm. Oh, well, we, well, just, we just killed the tone of this. No, this, uh, this complete, I just complete killed destroyed it. it. <laughs> 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 the, we, can, we can just chop that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no, nah, so that's exciting, man. It's the the movies you've been in are great. I mean, what's one of your favourites that you've done? Um, my my favourite moment was in a film called Spy Game. You ever see Spy Game? Oh yeah, yes. Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. Yeah. I think this was my. It was great to be with those guys, and you. you you just feel someone like Robert Redford is an amazing human being. He's like, he's presidential. In fact, they told Bill Clinton to watch tapes of Robert Redford to learn how to be presidential. He's the kind of guy when he walks on set, you immediately stand up. Yeah, right. He has this natural gravitas to him. And um, the greatest moment in my life was, I didn't know we were shooting in Morocco. And, and, and on those Moroccan television channels, they play like the mummy not just once a day, they play it six times a day. Oh, so right. it start, then when it finishes, they start it again. So all day on a national channel, they've got the mummy playing. So we just finished filming. <laughs> it's hilarious. I can't believe this even happened. They said, okay, they, they, they said the immortal words, that's a rap on, on uh, Brad, Bobby, and Ahmed. And someone said, guys, your cars are through the marketplace there. If you just walk in, we're going to walk in a straight line. And your cars are there, okay? But just walk through the marketplace. Just we're gonna go quick. Is it fine? So you got Robert Redford, Brad Pitt, and me in single file walking out. And as we're walking, I can see Arabs walking past, looking at Robert Redford, saying, "That face is familiar." <laughs> they see Brad Pitt. He goes, "I know that face." They, they, they sort of go, "The guy from the Bobby." <laughs> and they stop. They, there's an amazing photograph somewhere. I've got to find it for you. Where I'm surrounded kind of signing autographs. You've got Brad Pitt and Robert Redford looking back at the guy. People have ignored them. They're blurry shapes in the background while I'm signing for all oh, the Arabs. The guy from the mummy outdid them, basically. The guy from the guy with the small part in the first 40 minutes <laughs> who gets killed off outdid those guys. That's, That's hilarious. That's and he, he's, a look, he's a look a fun guy, Brad, Brad Pitt. Yeah, he is. He's a fun guy as well. He is. He's very respectful and he's a nice guy. He's a funny guy. But this was. The, but if you have, if you've ever seen this film, it's actually not about. I played, I played a uh, Lebanese uh, operative, and um, that there that that scene was shot in a taxi. Oh, and there you together. are. We were together for the whole day. Jeez, you've acted with some really high-profile people, and you always seem yeah. to be. Playing this Middle Eastern yes. character. Why is that? I wonder right? why. <laughs> this is a big thing for me, which is I know there's a lot of stuff about identity politics now. And I know there's a lot of like Jews in England are saying, we don't like non Jews, like, you know, the fact that Ben Kingsley played Yitzhak Stern. They don't like it. And, and the thing is, you're an actor. You want to play different parts. And if, 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 if that's the case, then all Jews should only play Jewish parts. I should only play. Iranian parts and Amber, Amber Heard should only play a character that shits the bed. Yeah, sure. Okay? <laughs> right. That's something Bill Maher said, which I thought was very true. But at, the, but at the same time, you also have to know that you are, you look like... Absolutely. I mean, but having said that, I can play Spanish. I have played Jewish. I have played... And, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. You guys could easily play. Well, You but, could play a Jew. Why not? Yeah, why not? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah. But no, but I, I'm saying that the lead. <laughs> why can't the, why can't Nagi there be? Halva, Nagi, sorry. <laughs> why sorry. can't the lead be an Arab savior? That's a good question. That, yes. that, that I'm saying, yeah, okay, you can play. Why, the Arab. Play, why couldn't you play Maximus Aurelius? Yeah, Is it Maximus? Or, or Rambo. You can call yourself. I play Rambo anytime. Rambo will lie. Right now, let's go. It'll be called Rambo. Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, at the end of the day, there's no reason why all of us shouldn't play you know, Hamlet or Macbeth or anything like that. If, if you're good enough, yes, if they give you a shot, I think you should go for it. I don't think you should worry about, well, I'm Italian. I can only play Joe Pesci, for example. Mm. So I think that that's something I totally disagree with. But I, I also don't like the fact that... I mean, look, I know, for example, a, a friend of mine called Tracy Ann Oberman, she's playing Shylock. She's, they're changing genders. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. female Shylock. That's interesting. So why not play? We, so what did you play. mean by... The, what are they doing? She's there's a woman playing Shylock in The Merchant of Venice, who is a Jewish... It's a male part, but there's a woman playing a male part. Right, mm. It's Why can't they just get a, a, a male to play it? I don't know. Switcheroo. <laughs> Switcheroo, oh. mate. Switcheroo. Switcheroo. Yeah. Everyone's going to get quiet on that? So no, going we'll back to the play, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm looking at yeah. sure <laughs> That's a comedy cul-de-sac. So I, don't want, I, don't want to I, want, I want my career to keep on going. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but going back to your stand-up. Yes. Because that's where it all basically started, right? Because mm-hmm. how long have you been doing that for now? 20... Uh, I started in 94. That's 20, 28 years now. Wow, that's a Stand long time. Stand up or acting? Which way? Which, Stand which up comedy, yeah. I'm, I'm a star. No, no, I'm just saying, out of the two forms oh, yeah. of entertainment, which is your is your your favourite? Oh, definitely stand-up. Yeah, it's no. beautiful, isn't it? Because you get to write and direct and perform your own stuff. And even then, you know, I, I, I think that the difference between the really great comedians is they all watch themselves. Like, if you watch Louis C.K., Louis C.K., watches himself every records every show and there's a rhythm and there's a, there's a brilliance to it i i don't think i can ever be that good because i can't watch myself I, if i watch myself a bit more maybe i direct myself but every time i go Ugh, i just can't watch uh, myself that's right. the problem i just think oh you know look at him he's trying to be what, like a white comedian or be, be, be sing. my wife says why don't you just sing and dance that'd be just stop just don't speak <laughs> just dance that, that. so i think that's the thing there's a there's a part of me that's still uncomfortable watching myself in british society being a stand-up but at the same time i do enjoy it more than because there's nothing there's nothing like writing a joke going out at a comedy club trying it and getting a big laugh it's fresh a, it's that direct feedback it's the best on feeling. camera you don't get that because everyone's silent yeah so you exactly. nail the joke and nothing funny there's no reaction Jeez, isn't, like that, big, isn't that weird on set when you say something funny and you're like, was it funny you don't know you can't start questioning I don't think that yourself. was funny maybe it wasn't funny you don't even, you're, even, you're listening for someone to go for a snicker I remember watching I was at the Aspen Comedy Festival are you, are you guys fans of Curb Your Enthusiasm oh, yeah. yes, yes. okay yeah, this is like 2004 they did a kind of uh, interview with the cast and they showed bits from the, the show there's about a thousand people there and Larry David couldn't believe it was the first time they'd had a kind of cast interview and when they played it the laughs that were, he, he was like saying wow we, we've never heard laughs and that's an amazing thing to see because we just do it to silence and it's the first time they played it to an audience mm. and I was there and he was I could see him 
he just couldn't believe it because they, they, they test it on a small crowd. Sure. And there's a five or six people laugh. But to hear a thousand people laugh like a kind of comedy crowd yeah, yeah, yeah. was an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, it would have yeah, been. Absolutely. It would have been. No, that, that's, that's, the, that's the hard, one of the hardest parts that when, when we were shooting. It's like, yeah, is that funny? Yeah. You, when, you, when you're, I guess, born to do it, well, when you do it on the stage, yes. you get it straight away. When you're doing it in front of the camera, it's just silence. You're like, Fuck but then once it's edited, something that you thought wasn't funny can be funny. And yes. people, people in the set say, "Oh, what you said, you know, that was really funny." But then something else might be funny once it's all put together. You know what was really weird for me? I did. It, I was very lucky to do a sitcom in America with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, oh wow! Yes. I don't know if it, I don't know if they ever showed that here, but it was like 2003, 2004. And doing those sitcoms, it was a show that was on between, my God, it was a Thursday night. It was a lead-in to Friends, the last series of Friends. Right, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yep. And you know when we talk about canned, no one likes canned laughter. Well, I couldn't believe when we, I remember speaking to Whoopi about this. I said, are you pissed off with the canned laughter? She goes, she goes it's a goddamn disgrace. Because what we do on the night, it'd be getting massive laughs. So you have to wait for the crowd's laughter to come down. But they're laughing so much. They're so juiced up by the warm-up committee. They're so excited to be there. And what happens is you can't show what happened on the night. You've got to shorten it. And what they do, something gets a big laugh, they shorten it and put a shit laugh over it and yeah. move on. Oh, and you think, really? what the hell? They're using crap canned laughter over great laughs and great bits of comedy. It's been killed because of time. They've got to shorten time. it down. Yeah, drawn it down. That's that, what that's drove me crazy. What she like to work with? Whoopi. She was she was a force of nature. Yeah, she, we don't talk about her much, but she is. Well, I don't know why she, she's she was funny. A, yeah, she she was an absolute legend. Why don't we talk about her as much? Now, people, as do you know what? She, I, I tell you, I tell you something. One thing I love about her is that she really. This is just after nine eleven, and they wanted me to be on the show with her, and, and she took me on, and they never wrote very well for me, and she was like saying, "This guy's a award winning <coughs> comedian. We, we got to step up the writers and everything." And I said to her, thank you for doing that. She goes, I got your back, baby. And she goes, she goes, you people. I said, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> you know what I mean, brown people. She, goes, she said to me, you guys like 30 years behind the black community. And she said to me, you, meaning me, I said, don't take this the wrong way. You are the Richard Pryor of brown people. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, said, I said, don't come in, because no, you're not Richard Pryor. I'm just saying you're the Richard Pryor for brown people. Now, you got to promise me one thing. You do not stop doing comedy because you're going to influence a lot of people and they're going to come through. And, but you got to keep doing it. Mm. And she goes, there'll be a lot of microaggressions. There'll be a lot of people who'll be against you. People won't, they won't understand you. But you got to keep going. And I'll never forget that because she would really kind of supported me and protected me. Absolutely. And she kept going on about you and Billy are the two people. And I thought, well, she, for years she kept talking about you and Billy. I thought, who's she talking Billy, about? Billy, yeah. Billy. And then she, I realized she sent me an email recently. She goes, I still say you and Billy are the two people who made me laugh the most. I said, sorry, who were you to all those years? She went, Billy Connolly. She goes, I introduced Billy Connolly. She goes, she introduced Billy Connolly on HBO in 1990. And I introduced you. She goes, you're the only two British comedians I I introduced to the American public because you two made me laugh the most. So she, she big me up in a way. She called me the Richard Pryor of brown people and said, you and Billy Connolly made me laugh. None of well. that. You can't compare. But the fact that she gave me that confidence was yeah, really amazing. Absolutely. For me. absolutely. Amazing. Incredible boost. It is. It's different. And shit like that, those sort of stories is what could make or break someone. Because yeah. if, she, if she didn't say anything or she was rude, 
I would have given up long, long you know time what ago. I mean like who knows what could happen I mean you're still funny whether she says it or not though yeah, you get acclaimed people, accomplished people give you compliments. Well, that's a bit of a, a tire influence. You know, that really mm. pumps your tires up it and gets you going. You up. And it also, you, know. you realize that she's a very, very straight. I realize how straight she was because, you know, she, there was a while she didn't fly. So we shot the pilot in LA and she, she took, uh, she's converted this Greyhound bus into a mobile home. And I said, How did you get to LA? She goes, uh, Have you seen my bus? You want to see my bus? I said, sure. And I got on this Greyhound bus and there's a jacuzzi, there's a, oh, there's a bedroom at the back. There's a, and, I, and I said to her, wow, how do you get a bus like this? Meaning, where do you go to, to get, get a get Greyhound a bus. bus converted? But she heard me saying, how do you get this? Meaning, how does a black woman like you oh, right. afford this? She goes, what do you mean, how? I make seven million dollars a year, motherfucker. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? Are you saying I can't fucking afford this? I said, no. Where'd you go to get this? Oh, oh, there's a place in Queens. <laughs> so I realized she's a real straight shooter. Oh, yeah. So when you when you work with someone, you realize they're really honest. Then when they give you compliments, it really means something. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Awesome. I just want to ask you very, very quickly. Sure. Okay. The UK, the British comedians, uh, British sitcoms, some of the best in history. Hello, hello, Faulty Towers, uh, the two Ronnies. Did these influence you as a as a child growing up? Oh, completely. Yeah, I mean, you you must have seen the same shows in Australia. Absolutely, we we love them. We love them. That's why I bring it up. I think um, the 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 humour in a culture has affected all comedians, and so we 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 take it on. And I, but it's also I realise the older I get, the more I've been influenced by my Iranian side, which is why. I've been doing lots of comedy in the Iranian Persian language as well. Yep. And I've been trying to export British comedy in the Persian language uh-huh. on BBC Persian. So we're seen by 12 million people. That's a massive platform. But yeah, absolutely have been influenced by even some of the early comedians like Dave Allen, who was an, an Irish comedian. I watched it. There was one show called Not the Nine O'Clock News, which had Rowan Atkinson, uh, Billy Connolly's wife, with Pamela, uh, Pamela Stevenson, who I think was from New Zealand. That was a show which was created by the BBC to target 14 to 18 year olds. It was a sketch show. And I was like 13, 14 in the days where you, you can't pause a show, you watch a show and the next day you're, you're, you're doing all the sketches that you saw on TV, word for word correct in the yeah, playground. So yeah. yeah, these are the shows that completely, I would say, set. And I can see this now with, with American cops. I've got a friend of mine, Maz Jabrani, who was... Uh, oh, yeah. I know Maz, yeah. He's a, he's a, but I don't know he, him, but I know yeah, of but, him. But he's an he's a, a, a Iranian-American. But then when you see some of his kind of way of speaking, you can see the influence of Jerry Seinfeld. You can see the influence of some of the sitcoms there. Yeah. So I see that in him. And he said, I see how there's a bit of faulty towers in you, I see. So we can, you can see the influences for sure. Absolutely. There's no question. And I think you have to do that. You have, if anyone's into comedy, if anyone wants to be a comedian, I would say watch all the great people first. It's like if, 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 if you want to be a great poet, go and read all the great poetry. You can't really become a great comedian unless you pay tribute to and really appreciate that. Like even Dave Chappelle, you, when you get to know Dave Chappelle, he loves culture. He loves if he listens to a Nina Simone song, he shuts his eyes and loves it. You've got to love culture to be able to be great yourself. So it's an important part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the, the British humour is, um, well, Australian humour is taking the piss. You heard that expression, yeah, taking yeah. the piss? So we like to make fun of ourselves. And that's influenced heavily by the uh, British humour because it's all about making fun of yourself and looking at how silly 
the cultural yes. aspect of it is, you know? No, you have to. And I always said that the uh, Australian accent, actually, um, it was British people who could never really take the sun. Have you, have you, you know, the first British people came to Australia, they'd say, hey, what a lovely weather we have. Let's go outside and have a cup of tea on the veranda. Goes, Jesus Christ, look at the sun, let's go back inside. <laughs> oh, that's so much better. It was when sunglasses were finally introduced into Australian. But by then the accent had been set. So. I did that in 2015, no one laughed. That's the first time they got a laugh, it's not bad though, that accent. A good accent. <laughs> not bad at all. Not um, bad at all. Mate, so you've got a couple of shows happening in Melbourne. Yes, and, I, and the Australian audiences, are pro they're proper kind of comedy literate audiences. So I find that one of the reasons it's important for British comedians to come over here is if you can get an Australian crowd laughing, then you, you've, you've kind of made it. Do you have to tweak it? Yeah, a little bit. Did I think it? so. You, you can't just come in with the same references. So I'm, I'm asking a lot about... Like I know Scott Morrison is yeah, not, not yeah, the prime yeah. minister anymore. Yeah, you got to you got to do your research. You can, actually, I've seen comedians from America come to like the Edinburgh Festival, and they think Wembley Stadium is in Scotland, and they they get things completely wrong. Yeah, and it does disappoint a crowd a lot if you get something wrong. Absolutely, mm. absolutely, it does. We know that if you go into a crowd, go into a state, go to Perth, and you say a Perth suburb, they Ray! yeah, exactly. They love yeah. that you've done a little bit of research exactly um, about it, but. Um, we learned the hard way in Canada. We were talking about pissing on a lemon tree oh, and realised that they don't can't grow fucking citrus in Canada. So it's, 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 it's too cold in Canada to grow citrus, and we had a whole bit about pissing on lemon trees. It wasn't working over there. Why is it killed in Australia? Why aren't they laughing? Such a good joke over here too, man. I was saying it, and oh, we thought, and we thought we were doing the looking at the audience, going, "Come on, we thought we <laughs> did our now. Now is when you laugh." <laughs> We thought then, we did uh, our, our, our due diligence and you know did some homework about a few things, but we accidentally found out about it too. Yeah, we? I know. We we're driving home on the last fucking night anyway. Yeah. Oh God! Thank you so much for coming in, man. Guys, it it's honestly, been a real pleasure. You guys make me laugh a hell of a lot, and I'm I really I'm just so honoured to be here. And oh. thank you for having me. We're honoured to have you. Absolutely. You've been watching it for twenty years, and now to oh, have wow. you in front of us, it's still eh, fan, fangirling. Fangirling. Fan <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, next time you're in Australia, maybe we'll get together with the ethnic dads and we'll do some some, some, I'd love some funny to. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Right. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank, awesome. you, very Thank much. you very much. On that note, guys, that's uh, another week of the Saucy Meatballs podcast. Give us a five star review because we've got I mean Jalili here. Hey, you on. have to come on. That's King. worth a five star review. And let's let's exit on a nice Arab chant. Well, I can, well, before we do that, can I just say thank you for getting my name right? Because people don't realise that. The, the, see, the D is silent. Yeah, in Jalili. It's a bit like Enos with a silent P. Which kind of <laughs> was my first joke that never got on. <laughs> I thought I'd try it now, hoping I'd get a little polite chuckle from you guys. But thank you for getting my name right. So you want to do an Arab chant? Yeah, yeah. we'll just exit on a... <laughs> oh my God, I thought I was going to sing something like... Like, gole sanga, gole sanga, Thanks, guys. Ola! See you next week. Ola! Yalla, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, Daniel here, aka Shit Jamie, to read out some credits. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Sushi Mango Saucy Meatballs podcast. If you like the show, make sure you're following it by tapping follow on the podcast profile page and giving it a rating. This podcast is produced by Head On Media and is a Spotify exclusive. Our next episode will be out in a week. Don't forget you can listen and watch the full episodes exclusively on Spotify. <laughs>